The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome on in. It's the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. 106.9 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 1069thefan.com. It's also a good place to go find our past shows. Street, or, uh, yeah, connect to our podcasts. Find them. Uh, a lot of different things to get to today. we got NBA news. We've got FIFA Women's World Cup coming up tomorrow. We've got our pick six we want to get into. we got College World Series. A lot of juicy stuff on the table today. Uh, the all-star uh, results for Major League Baseball will be revealed tonight. Five o'clock. So of course they do that, right, if, right after we get off. We <laughs> get off. Uh, but let, let's start off with that College World Series. It concluded last night. It turned out to be a really interesting three-game series between Vanderbilt and Michigan. Yeah, Michigan kind of lost steam after Game 2's loss. You know, that like Game 1 win was huge. But I think after losing game two, it was like, oh, we ran out of pitching. They still got, I mean, he's technically an ace, but he wasn't used as an ace throughout the whole entire tournament. And then, you know, Michigan's hanging with them down 2-1 in the third inning, and that's when the Watergate was just let loose. Uh, You know, the, excuse me, the cliche is walks will kill you. That's, I mean, that's what they always say. Well, when you give up a walk, single, walk, walk, and then a two-run single, and you go from being down 2-1 to down 6-1, that's when you get in trouble. And that was the case for the, uh, for the Michigan Wolverines. You know, and, and a fantastic season, your first appearance in a, in a national championship in the College World Series since 1962. But Vanderbilt's been there, done that. And yeah, the roster is, is turned over and it's new. But we're talking about a coach who's, who's been there. And that 2014 series versus... I believe it was South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, who was the cream of the crop at the time, really did train that coach how to handle those kind of situations, and it came through last night. Tim Corbin, after the game, saying that uh, the win last night and finishing things off really started on the mound for Vanderbilt. I don't know where to start. i got a lot of conflicting thoughts right now just in terms of um, how we feel. But um, I, I think it starts again on the mound. If we want to talk about the game, it, it, it certainly starts on the mound with Mason. He, he's created such harmony during the course of the year with how he's pitched the weekday and, and certainly down the stretch here. He's pitched, pitched some very difficult games himself and certainly gave us a, a great start tonight. Yeah, he did. He was phenomenal throughout the whole entire night. And when you have a bullpen that is... For the most part, fresh, including your closer, he had only thrown, I think, 30-something pitches you know, in the, in the first two games. Yeah, it helps you a lot, and, and that was the case for Vanderbilt. They have a deep bullpen, and they're going to have a deep bullpen next year. By the way, a majority of talent for Vanderbilt comes back next year, and the guys who are on the bench played a lot of games this year. So expect to see Vanderbilt in the College World Series again. Uh, this team continues to just keep things rolling. Uh, and and the thing is for Michigan, you know, losing that uh, and I, their leadoff hitter, 
They had to transfer their nine guy to the leadoff spot. It's a whole different act. It's a whole different responsibility when you're the leadoff hitter, especially in game three of the College World Series championship. It's a lot of pressure. Um, he went one for four, I believe. Um, and you know, they, they just, they couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure out the pitching, uh, you know, on a, it's, it's a, it's a new count. They're getting a change up down the middle. It's a, it's a two zero count. And instead of getting the fastball you're looking for, you're getting a curveball on the outer part of the plate. That's just how it was for, for them all night long. Well, and since the, the win, since the way that they've played to get there, uh, the, the praise has been coming from all over, not just college baseball, but from all over sports. Uh, a lot of people saying that Tim Corbin is the Nick Saban uh, of baseball. Uh, you know, Derek Mason, the head coach of the Vanderbilt football team, says uh, Tim Corbin and, and that baseball team's the hottest brand in Nashville. Um, the head coach of Michigan saying, you know, they he's he's built the he's the best head coach in America. Uh, no matter what sport you're talking about, uh, people are comparing him to Mike Shashevsky with basketball. So. A lot of praise, high praise coming from all over uh, for uh, Tim Corbin and what he's built there and, at Vanderbilt. And by the way, Corbin is a fantastic coach. There's no question about it. To compare him to Coach K is a little outside your range. What Coach K's done over his the tenure of his career is incredible. And Corbin is yet to match that. In fact, no, hold on, let me rephrase it. He's not even close to matching what Coach K has done yet. Um are they the are they the talk of uh, Tennessee? Yeah, I'd say so. Absolutely, and they should be. They absolutely should be. When you win two national championships in that span of time, you've been in the College World Series, I believe, all but one of those years in that span of time. You know, it's 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 impressive stuff to get to the College World Series is ridiculously tough because not only I mean, even if you win your conference, you still got to host a regional, and then you got to host a super regional, and if you lose any of those, you're out. You're done. You're going home. Here are just some interesting things. This isn't a Tuesday. I don't know if this is necessarily a stat that blows my mind, but something to chew on. Why not? Vanderbilt's the only team to make three College World Series finals appearances at TD Ameritrade Park. Mm-hmm. They're in Omaha. Yep, it's a new park. Uh, they're the, the first two-time champions in the nine history of that park. Uh, they've made the eight-team College World Series field four times since 2011. After making zero appearances... In all of the seasons before that, so yes, they are. They've come into some success here lately. Are they in the same conversation as Tom Osborne and Mike Shashevsky and Nick Saban? Not yet, but certainly they're they're building a, a power uh, with uh, with college baseball and what's going on in Vanderbilt. So congratulations, as as should be. Yeah, as should be. And you know, I I, I wonder. Um, I wonder if they can be beat again. Next. I, I think they can repeat again next year. As I said, they got a ton of talent coming back. I think they lose their closer, if I'm not mistaken. But they get Rocker back, the freshman, if he decides not to go into the draft or go to the MLB. They can get him back for one more year. Uh, this this team's got some loaded, loaded talent, and they are very, very deep, as I've already said. So um, good for Vanderbilt. Happy for him. I'm going to miss college baseball, man, because that, that, that does it for the collegiate year. So now you have to wait till August to to get college uh, football or college sports back. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's done. That's true. That that kind of depressing, man. It puts a cap on college sports Gosh, for a little it. bit. So yeah, we'll have to wait till August thirtieth to uh, get the opening of college football back. Which, by the way, Utah State I think is 
the first, if not one of the first teams to kick it off because they play on a Thursday or Friday at Wake Forest, August 30th. Is that a Thursday night? That might be a Thursday. If that is, that would be then that would mean that they are the first to kick it. Oh, no, it's a Friday night. So there's a Thursday night game, so before them. But they'll be one of the one of the first teams to kick it off, which will be great. I'll wait yeah, for but, it. you know, we don't have to wait. We have to wait that long for an actual game, but camps will start. Camps start August. first week of August. Right. High school football starts, like, second week of August. And, of course, Eric, you and I will be at all the practices, getting the sound, getting the audio, getting the updates on the coaches, what their thoughts are on how the team looks. Exclusive interviews. Yeah, you'll get the very best coverage of Aggie football from nobody else except here uh, at the Cash Valley Radio Network. Can't wait to get into that, man. It couldn't come soon enough. I know those coaches are kind of in hibernation period, trying to, you know, keep a low profile and get some relaxation time before the storm hits. But, uh, man, I can't wait. All right. Uh, speaking of storms hitting, uh, the the NBA free agency storm is about to hit us, and it, the, it's starting to swirl. Uh, you can see the dark clouds <laughs> yes, and the storm yeah. coming. Uh, yesterday, the day before, was kind of quiet, but it is starting to pick up, and I think it'll the ferocity will just increase over the next few days. The LA Lakers may have probably the the biggest move makers of the day. They've done a couple different things, so. They made a trade with the Wizards, and uh, they traded away Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and Demario Jones to the Wizards, and that frees up additional cap space for them. But again, that they have no one on their roster, but uh, they they got some money in the deal. Um, but in addition to the trade, Anthony Davis, and this may be the bigger part of this, he agreed to waive his $4 million trade bonus, so that gives the Lakers even additional space. So if you're the L.A. Lakers, that gives them space to go after another max free agent. Do you go after a a third max free agent to play alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Or do you use that money and break it up to get several additional pieces to help fill out your roster. Do you feel like you've got enough of a foundation with those two guys, or do you feel like you need a third star and you can fill out the rest of the roster adequately enough? No, you go get a third star. If you are available to go get a third star, do it. Because you see how much it matters. Um, That's a great point. Because you look at the... Let's look at the Miami Heat dynasty in the, what, 2011 through 2014 or whatever it was, uh, in, you know, the the first finals they won, they needed every bit of LeBron James, and they needed all of Chris Bosh. In that second finals they won, they needed every bit of Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. In fact, LeBron James got him through the Eastern Conference Finals the first time to the NBA Finals where Dwayne Wade took over. The second time Dwayne Wade took over the Eastern Conference Finals, LeBron James, Chris Bosh capped it off with the Finals title. So you need every bit of it. And again, it's a tough Western Conference. It's never easy. It's a gauntlet. It's it's death row, you know, in, in, in a basketball or not basketball. Yeah, basketball metaphor. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're going after Kyrie if if it's there. You're going after Butler if it's there. And if Kawhi is even sniffing you, you definitely, definitely give it a shot. You'd be crazy not to. Or, or the other option is uh, like a D'Angelo Russell bringing him home, bringing him back to the league. Oh, yeah, there you go. 
A guy that while he was there, it was here's the thing though. Do you think D'Angelo Russell is is like where he's like, he's yeah, an I'm a okay. player, and they shipped him away. I'm over with what's gone on. Do you think he's over it? I mean, because dude, that was a messy divorce. It, it was messy. Uh, he did have a good year this last year. He does. He improved his shot. I don't know that he's necessarily improved his defense. Uh, he's a guy that uh, would have been nice to have in a Jazz uni, I think. Um, but I, I, if I'm the Lakers. I think that look the they've got a they've got a roster they've got to try to figure out, and if I'm them, I don't know that I spend it all on one extra guy. I think I'd rather split it up and find some other good players that could complement what I already have. So rather than going and spending it all on Kawhi Leonard or Russell, um, what if you go out and get guys like Danny Green? And Danny Green's not a good and Seth Curry. Why would you go after? Okay, Seth Curry, I could, I could like. Danny Green is not. I'm not a fan of him. He makes such boneheaded decisions, offensively and defensively, where I wouldn't even want him touching the ball. Now, if he's coming off the bench, maybe I'll think about it. Well, look, here's a guy who's won multiple championships. Yeah, it wasn't because of him. You, you, no, it wasn't because of him. But he was. He played some role. He knows what it's like. Certainly LeBron knows yeah, what it's like. Yeah, he nearly cost Toronto the NBA championship. But <laughs> Davis and LeBron are going to demand so much attention that these other guys, they just need to be available. So why don't you go get a J.J. Redick or Seth Curry? I like Seth Curry. Seth Curry is scrappy on defense. And he's a good shooter on offense, but he can get good looks. I mean, he, well, he put Golden State, what was it, game five or whatever it was, where he went off. And they, I think they still lost that game, but or excuse me, game four it was. But Seth Curry's, I, I think, is a good transitional player into that Lakers system. JJ Redick is definitely a good transitional player. Kyle Korver would not be. Um, yeah, but I'd stay away from Danny Green at all costs. There have been some rumors that the the Lakers are, would be looking at Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith. Effectively making them okay. Cavaliers West. Okay, well, here's the... Okay, yeah, well, that's a good point. I like how you said that. Here's my problem with that. Kyle Korver's, what, 38 almost? Yes. He's tired. He he was exhausted after yeah, the playoffs, he, and he played like five minutes a game. He said that he was contemplating retirement, but as over the last few weeks, he's since released information that says, look, I think I might be able to play another year or two. Okay, if he does, the Lakers could, I guess, be a decent fit because he'd get rest. I mean, you wouldn't be required to play such heavy minutes, and he'd get, some, like as you would say, a lot of good looks. For, I mean, because he's a spot-up shooter. Yeah, all he needs to do is kind of roam around, get lost, get be forgotten, and then all of a sudden just park out in his spot that he likes, and then they kick the ball out to him. J.R. Smith is like one of those light bulbs that you keep having to tinker with to get it to work. There's days where that light bulb is on. All right, I mean, the one, I mean so when I say light bulb is on, 2009 NBA playoffs versus the Utah Jazz. He went off for like 27 points in an elimination game. And then Denver extended it one game before they got eliminated. And then there's those like where you can't find the light bulb in the head. And I'm talking about, (laughs) hey, you have time on the clock, offensive rebound, but you don't call a timeout because you think you're up one. It depends what J.R. Smith we're getting. The guy who likes, I mean, the guy who's not sober off of drugs or the guy who's actually illuminating intelligence on the court. Well, see, J.R. Smith's not a bad fit. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, dude, he has a lot of just, 
right, I don't dud moments. Yes, I, I don't get that. I, I don't get how LeBron would sanction that. <laughs> oh yeah, do you think Broad, 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 Hey, we're thinking about getting Jared Smith. Really? Oh, the guy that cost me game one of the NBA Finals when I scored fifty-one points. Yes, let's do it. Thank you. You know what? I would love to have him. Let's just redo what we did with Lance Stevenson last year. Kill. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think that there's going to be there. Well, there are a lot of guys in this free agent pool that are, you know, in that mid-level exception. Maybe not max deal guys, but pretty good guys that are going to be available that uh, if I'm Rob Palinka, if I'm the Lakers, I'm thinking about how to fill out an, an, a full roster. Because you, you can't ask LeBron and Anthony Davis to play full minutes. They won't. They're going to they're gonna adopt the load management system that Kawhi Leonard used. And they're going to adopt that as well if they want to be able to play deep minutes in May and, and June. So they need other guys to be able to be out there. I think that if they do get another a third star superstar to join them, then there, I think they're going to be periods where you play all three together, but I think those will be kind of spotty to be honest. I think that they will, with those type of players that they have, they can have at least one guy of those three on the court at all times while the other two take their break and they'll still be the, that whoever that one guy is on the court at any given time will demand such attention and, and such defensive gravity that other guys will be available to do some of the things. And there, there's a lot of guys out there, uh, veterans who will want to uh, play uh, on the cheap, so to speak, for one-year deals to go play with LeBron and Anthony Davis to try to get something special in L.A. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they're going to have trouble attracting some of those guys, but um, whether they decide to go with one other max deal guy or if they decide to split that up and chase multiple players to help fill out the roster uh, that's an interesting debate and I think some of it kind of depends on what max guy you might get if it's Kawhi forget it you go after Kawhi and you bring him in you throw him whatever he needs you get him there if it's D'Angelo Russell or Jimmy Butler you maybe think about it And, and you say you know what Maybe we're better going after utility guys who can just kind of fill in our bench and fill in the holes that we have. But if it's Kawhi Leonard, hey, forget it. I mean, imagine your starting lineup being Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyle freaking Kuzma. Give me a break, Eric. That's your starting lineup. Oh, man, I'm just telling you, it's not fair anymore. (laughs) It's just so not fair. You know what I would love if Kawhi, I mean, because you know how Kawhi is, right? He's a guy who who drives his 1997 Ford pickup that he's reinvented. He you know, he likes to he likes to save his coupons to Herb's Wings to be able to get himself spicy wings every every once a week. It'd be great if he was like, hey, yeah, so all oh, Clippers, huh? That's what you're hearing. Oh, Lakers, that's what you're hearing. Yeah, I'm going to Utah. <laughs> Just just to set the world on fire and ablaze. I'm going to Utah. I would love it. I would just... He would be my first ever favorite basketball player above John Stockton. I always, I've always loved John Stockton, but he would take 
that place above John if he would go to Utah. I'd, it'd, be, it'd be such a quiet thing to do. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is the most enigmatic guy in the NBA. Oh, yeah, dude. He's, he's the hardest dude for anybody to try to figure out. And by the way, yeah. And he's so got a very closed that, circle. Exactly. It is small. I mean, little. So when people are like, yes, yeah, so I talked to sources saying that Kawhi is going to be doing this where he's thinking about Shut up. You don't know Jack right now because he hasn't said anything. And if he did, he would go and poke him right in the eyes. I mean, it just, he doesn't talk. I mean, if, I mean, you know, those questions in the finals. So, where do you go from here? Uh, back to Toronto for game three. You know, dude, he won't talk to you. He's not going to, and if you do interviews with him, he, I mean, he'll, he'll laugh. He'll maybe laugh. I'm not sure if he'll smile. <laughs> but, and, but when you ask him about free agency, so what are you thinking about free agency? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. He'll just give some bland answer, and you might hate it. But guess what? That's Kawhi Leonard. That's always been Kawhi Leonard. Well, so there are sources. Again, whether you how much credibility you give to this, but they are suggesting that uh, Kawhi Leonard's plan over the next week is to meet with the Lakers, then the Clippers, and then the Toronto Raptors. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can take that because I'm sure the Lakers or other teams have div- divvied out that info. That I can I can accept. And he would make the Raptors the the last one on the stop, which is traditional standard. Which right, it's smart, it's professional. You give the the team you were with most recently the chance to give them the last word. Yep. Um. So. So what do you think? He he is. Uh, he does need to first uh, decline his player option to become an unrestricted free agent, which he is expected to do, but he hasn't done that yet. Such a kawaii thing. Why am I not surprised? Oh, we have to decline this? Oh, got it. Like, remember, like, in the NBA Finals, after he walked off the stand of the press conference, he forgot his NBA Finals MVP trophy. He had to go back and grab it. He was, like, walking off the stand, and then one of the SI or uh, PR people were like, Kawhi, your trophy? Oh, sorry. Yeah, let me grab it. Guy board, just guy just wants to play ball. Board man gets paid. I would take Kawhi in a heartbeat. I would well, duh, but still. Thing is, I just I just don't see the Lakers as a really viable I mean, option. Just with the circus that it is, all the attention that it Kawhi is. Kawhi would hate it. And I think that the way that uh, the the Clippers play as a team and the way that they're coached, uh, that just seems like that's Kawhi's type of brand of basketball. Yeah, Doc would make it fit really well. But I also think we shouldn't be discounting his ability to stay in Toronto. Toronto. No. He won they a championship just won an there. NBA championship. He's got a full country behind him. Oh, yeah. he There's a statue being built yes. right now as we speak of him. So, uh, unless he wants, unless there's something in him that says, look, I'm going to prove that I can go and do this with whichever team I want, and I can do it multiple times over and still win a championship. LeBron's not the only guy that can go and win championships with with different teams. I can do it too, and I'm going to win it with a third team. So I I don't know. I don't. It's hard to know if that's how he's wired. If that's what's important to yeah, him, we just don't know. We just don't know. It's a big guessing. <laughs> hey, uh, we got to take a break. Hey, coming back. Freezing cold takes got a got to dish out a spoonful to a baseball team and their social media who got a little too excited before the game ended. We'll find out what I'm talking about. And by the way, I got a really good story on Enos Cantor that I heard, and I got to tell you it because 
I just can't stand Enos Cantor. Apparently, he's not high on Zion Williamson. Oh my god! I saw that show tweet. Oh my goodness gracious! Julius Randle with hops. Why don't you say I'm, I belong in the G League? <laughs> uh, also, we've got uh, till Donovan Mitchell releases signature shoe. Oh yes, I just recently. Yes. So, if you were to release a signature shoe, what would you call it? I could imagine what your name's going to be. We're going to get into that. Uh, and our pick six for the week, we'll discuss that as well. Coming up on the Full Court Press. Are they going to be all pink? It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Right, you had some ice cold takes, as you called it. Man, New York just, just, I mean, can't catch a break this year. All right, I mean, you're excited to get Durant. He ruptures his Achilles. You're hoping to get Irving. He's going to Brooklyn. You get the third pick in the draft, but no one really cares. Because you didn't get Zion Williamson. Um, your football team is still garbage. Both of them. Uh, your baseball teams, one can't stay healthy. And the other one, well, their PR team or their social media team, social media team can't keep their mouth shut. Mets, Phillies today. Phillies are up one nothing in the top of the ninth. Okay? And the Mets come up to bat in the top of the ninth. And after a Alonzo ground out and a Conforto single to right... Frazier comes up and homers to left. That makes it 2-1 Mets. PR team's excited. They, they, they put up a highlight of it. We got the lead, it says. Then Smith singles. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hang on. So the, the Mets, this is the call of when they went up in that two-run shot. Oh, you have it? Swing and a hammer toward left. Deep to left. Oh, what happened? Sorry. <laughs> Hang on here. System reset. Again, well, so let me say that again. So it's one nothing Philadelphia here. Swing and a hammer toward left. Deep to left. That ball's going to go. Home run. Todd Frazier. A two-run homer in the top of the ninth. And the Mets have scored against Hector Neris. They've taken the lead. And maybe falling behind was the formula. Just like the Phillies had in the first three games, it's the Mets who have come back today. And it's Frazier with his 10th home run, 2-1 Mets in the ninth. After a Frazier homer to make it 2-1 Mets, Smith then singles to shallow right, Ramos singles to center, and then a Rosario ground out to the pitcher, scores Smith, and the Mets now have a 3-1 lead. And everyone is thrilled, including the New York Mets, who had tweeted out, game over. What in the heck are you doing? We go to the bottom of the ninth with the Phillies. Now we're up to uh, up to bat, down three one after a Hernandez walk. Franco comes up to bat. Do you have his highlight? Play it. Two strike pitch swung on, hit well, left center field towards the alley. McNeil turns, he looks, it's gone. No, they're saying it's in play. He's saying now he says it's a home run. Eric Cooper, for a moment, said it was in play. Now he twirls the finger, and it's a homer to tie the game for Mike Franco. 
<laughs> Immediately, Joe yeah. West is headed to the headsets. Didn't even hesitate. He just started walking towards the Mets dugout where the headsets are. Woo. Franco's homer to left ties it at three. And then after Real, uh, Real, Real Malto strikes out, Rodriguez comes into bat. He gets walked. Then King Reese singles to left. Rodriguez goes to second. And then Segura says, hey, Mets Twitter, what's up? Pitch. Swung on. Line deep to left field. McNeil back. Track. Wall. Game over. A walk-off home run for Gene Segura. Three-run shot in the ninth. It's a sweep for the Phils over the Mets. On the first career walk-off homer for Gene Segura. On three hits, the Phillies score five runs and win it in the bottom of the ninth. Mets deleted their tweet of game over <laughs> and then posted the final score, which then got 1.2 thousand comments. And if you are in for a mood for humor, you might want to read those. Uh, don't jump the gun. New York, New York, New York. And that's where you want to go, Durant? <laughs> Good luck, dog. I'm Good luck. With that. Uh Hey, I got to tell you a quick story. I was listening to, uh, do you remember Spence Checkets? Used I to do? work in Salt Lake Radio, now does the Reality Check podcast. Does a great job. It's a great podcast, Reality Check. All NBA, all talk from Spence Checkets, who has great guests on like Jeff Van Gundy, Mike Breen, Mark, jo- I mean, he's, he has a list that is just name of names and who's of who's in the NBA. He was telling a story, and I was listening to this today because he's talking about free agency. Uh, when, when the time was coming where Rudy Gobert looked like he was going to be the starter because of the way he was playing, and Enos Cantor's minutes were dwindling quickly. At one point, the thing about Enos Cantor on the court, and I think we all learned this pretty quickly, Enos can't play defense. And if there's anything that involves him having to rotate, he's going to go the wrong way. It's just how he probably thinks the clock goes from, uh, what, right to left or whatever instead of, you know, the correct way. He just cannot rotate and he can't play defense. Quinn Snyder figured this out really quickly because Quinn Snyder's intelligent. And there's a boom mic um, below the hoop where when you could hear it on, on Locke's, you know, play-by-play call. And, <laughs> and at one point, for like the third time in like six minutes, Cantor forgets to rotate. And it leaves a wide-open three. And so Quinn Snyder, um, I think there was like a break in the action, and Quinn Snyder... Says, Enos, get over here. And then says, you know what, Enos? You bleeping suck. I'll let you fill in the expletive. (laughs) But he just tells him straight up and then says, get on the bench and puts Rudy in. And then not too long later, of course, Enos was gone. But, I mean, it just, it just comes to tell you, like, some of these, like, and we talked about it yesterday, the fact that Enos is getting interest from the Lakers from the Trailblazers, and what was the other team? I can't even remember what the other team was. But there was three teams that had interest in Enos. Just blows my mind. I might as well get interest from the Lakers and the Blazers then. Well, uh, I think it depends. If you, he is a liability defensively, but he is a guy that can that can score the ball. And if you have some things that can cover up his defensive deficiencies, then there may be a spot where he fits into your system. But if you, as a team, want to play defense, and uh, you know that's important to you, then yeah, Ennis Cantor does not fit in your system. But if you're just looking for from offense from your big guy, 
uh, and you've got other pieces on the floor that can cover that up, then, yeah, okay. Yeah, we know we're going to take a, a, a bath on defensive possessions maybe if opposing teams figure out how to isolate him and if we can't figure it out as a team, but we need the offense. We need points. Yeah. No, I'm absolutely with you. So now going into Enos Cantor, I want to I want to kind of rotate that into, if I may, really quickly on Derek Favors. The Utah Jazz now have a huge, huge, huge decision. Some very important choices they need to make. Of course, the main ingredient of that decision making goes into Derek Favors. You either give Derek Favors the 17 million, or you spend the 17 million or to 18 million of combination of some guys, which could include the likes of. I mean, you don't want Jabari Parker. You don't want Trey Lyles. You don't want Jerry Dudley, but maybe Trevor Ariza. Maybe Danny Green. Maybe J.J. Redick. But you'd have to add it up to $18 million. And when I look at this list that Andy Larson had tweeted out, it was a list compiled by Spencer Wixom of uh, NBA players uh, or a list of contracts agreed to uh, from the Nate Duncan mock-off season. I'm looking at some of these contracts. Dude, J.J. Redick is actually affordable. Assuming you get rid of Derek Favors. But here's my question to you, Eric. Derek Favors, backup center. Is he worth $17 million or do you say, you know what, we need to move on and find someone else to fill some gaps in the holes? Uh, I, I know I I'm throwing you on the spot I don't know right that, now. I don't know that the Jazz have a lot of holes. That, that's just it. I, you I don't think, think so? I think, you're, I think you look at the continued development of... Royce, who you have on the cheap, I think you look at uh, you still got an outside shooter and a defender in Joe Ingles. I think they need to get uh, Dante Exum healthy. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, yes, the Jazz could use another shooter or another playmaker. That would be helpful. Yes, but do you need to take that kind of money to go go out there and, and spend to get somebody to do that? I don't. It, certainly we've seen that if you want to make a run at the NBA championship, you need at least three stars or very three, two really great stars and a third guy who's a, a good player. Uh, do the Jazz have that right now? I think they have, they certainly have an all-star in Mike Connolly. They have a future star in uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But I don't know that they have that component to be a Western Conference contender just yet. So hmm. I, I think that the question is, do the Jazz feel like we want to, we've made some moves. They made an aggressive move to get Connolly to join them. But I think there's also some discussion that feeling that, look, we, we want to continue to develop the guys that we have. We believe in them. Um, or they'd say, look, we, we still need to be aggressive and go find that, that other star to to be on our team. And by the way, if you do that, you may have to get rid of Exum. There's a, I mean, there's that. And I, and I know that they are dead set on keeping Exum and making him what they what they drafted him for. The, the explosive, defensive, a high IQ at times, point guard that they were always wanting of him. And then the injuries kept him from being so, so far. But you'd have to, I mean, you have to free up some space. And, and Tobias Harris, let's make something really clear. Tobias Harris isn't completely off the list, but he is very, very, very unlikely 
right. based on cap space and, and affording. And if you if you get the bias, you're giving up a lot more than what you've already given up. But I was no, just looking uh, at yeah. that list by by Spencer. It, it's a really good list. It's just it's it's guys or free agents that the Jazz had interest in or have had interest in the Jazz. Obviously, Thabo Stefalos is on there. Uh, Derek Rose, who was like for like twenty minutes, was on that list. Um, Rudy Gay, obviously. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a premium. But man, if you get JJ Redick on that on that team, they are really dangerous. I mean, highly level dangerous. Right. The next couple of days are going to be really telling uh, as teams aren't done trying to make some changes oh, no, 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 no. to get themselves in position to go after some of these uh, free agents that are available. Uh, when do you think Derek makes his decision by? Does he wait a while? Or does the Jazz wait a while? Uh, Derek can't make a decision. Yeah, that's why, and that's why I rephrase it, Jazz. Yeah, he's under contract. The Jazz have until July 7th. So they can go through this whole free agency period and figure out where they're at, and then if nothing really shakes loose that comes their way, and decide, okay, great, we're happy with Derek. They've made it very clear. They see Derek and Rudy playing well together on the same court, either at the same time or playing off of each other when one's on the court and the other's off. So the Jazz have made it very clear that they believe in, in Derek, but that being said, if there's an option to bring somebody in that helps elevate the team, they're, they've made it clear they're going to look at it. Hey, really quickly, uh, the Jazz have just released their minicamp roster because we got to get to this Jordan Love stuff, by the way. We still haven't even touched it yet. Uh, for their summer league, players include Tony Bradley, their new draft picks, Jared Brantley. Um, you got the right kid on there. Where is he at? There you go. Justin Wright Foreman, uh, Willie Reed, Stanton Lyle, uh, Kid, Jarius Lyles. Um, those are kind of the more notable names besides Isaiah Cousins. So, uh, what is there? How many players are on that list? 12? Uh, yeah, there's no no real local guys. No, no one really from the year. region, even no. from, the, from any of the local conferences. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it'll be an interesting list because you've got uh, the guys that the Jazz drafted. Which is always cool to go watch. Right. It's your first look to see what they look like on the court if you didn't watch them before during the regular season. And uh, the the other teams have released their rosters as well. So um, it, it could be a couple of interesting days in Salt Lake City with, with, uh, with Summer League. Yeah. All right, coming up next... Um, yeah, we've got the it, your own signature shoe, what you would call it. We've got our pick six coming up. A lot of different things still to get to coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. We have a, a great burden of expectation, but I think that also brings out the best in you. And we just expect to win every single game. So if we're down 2-0 with 10 minutes left, we expect to win that game. And we've been in those situations before, and it's just sort of ingrained in us. That was Megan Rapinoe, U.S. Women's National Team, getting ready for... The FIFA World Cup going up against host company, host company, host country, France. Tomorrow, it's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, th- this will be by far the most interesting game of the Women's World Cup. It's too bad that it's happening now rather than for the championship. Yeah, it's happening in the quarterfinal. So the quarterfinal is the championship game. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. You know, and and I'm excited to see the challenge and to see what this U.S. team is really made of because playing in France's backyard, it's going to be a hostile environment, not in your favor by any means or stretch. Um, and there's a and there is there's a lot of expectation on this team who's considered one of the best ever to do it to go out and go win a gold medal. And if you lose in the quarterfinal, that absolutely eliminates any any theory to it. Right. If they win this, it's what their fourth straight World Cup, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. So they've been dominant in the sport. And the there have been games that have been very very light on fans, but this one is expected to be obviously. Very well attended. The, the the ticket prices are soaring through the roof for this one. It's good for the sport uh, to have great teams going up against each other like this. It's just unfortunate they're not facing in the championship. Uh, and this can kind of heighten the expectation going towards it. But uh, since Team USA just obliterated Thailand, 13 nothing, teams have been playing very physical uh, against the Americans. Um, and uh, the the game against Spain, the American players saying that was a great tune-up for them to kind of get them ready for what they think they're going to face against France, not to take things lightly. Um, Team USA came out on top. Uh, it was a very physical battle. Alex Morgan has been targeted specifically. Uh, since that five goals in the opener, she really hasn't done much of anything since. Yep. So uh, this is going to be a really interesting match. Of the 23 times that these two countries have faced each other, France has only won three of them. So, uh, but this is on their turf. Uh, they've got a little momentum going for them uh, going into this as well. So, could make for a very interesting matchup tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. Can't wait, man. That's going to be one of the it's bigger be on matchups. Fox? Yes, it is on Fox. Oh, man, I'm going to be driving back from Bear Lake to here. To... Oh. Anyways, yeah, we'll be able to recap it, though. Give you all the yes. uh, highlights and the uh, updates of uh, why the game went the way it did, like for the team that who did what they did. <laughs> the, the team with red, white, and blue in their flag. <laughs> oh, hey, good one. Yes, I, good very one. good. I, I okay. Uh, we, Moving on. <laughs> yeah, we got to get to our pick six here in just a moment. Before we do, uh, we've been teasing this. Uh, Donovan Mitchell came out with his own signature shoe. Oh, yes. Great crossover video promoting the shoe, also promoting the new Spider-Man movie coming out next month. Uh, great to see a jazz player involved at such a level. I mean, we've never had that. Never. Uh, Utah jazz players have done some some endorsement things, have been in some commercials, but that we've never seen a jazz player at that kind of a level uh, with such a, such a big high-level franchise, movie franchise. So... Mm-hmm or pop culture thing, if I want to put it that way. So, uh, he's uh, released his shoe. He's calling it the Don, issue number one. Don is D.O.N. I don't know what the, if that's an acronym for something or if that's just a clever way to shorten Donovan. But uh, if you were to have your own signature shoe, what would you call it? So, I would call mine the Dark Star. <laughs> the Dark Star. Both literal and metaphorically. <laughs> the Dark Star. I like it. Why? What would you call yours? Temp? So, um, well, I'm looking at some of the, the shoes, signature shoes from some of the other uh, elite players in the league. Like LeBron, it's called Nike LeBron 15. Kyrie okay. Irving, Nike Kyrie 4. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, 
Steph Curry. It's Under Armour Curry 5. James Harden says Harden Volume 2. So a lot of these guys, like they have their name in the name of the shoe. Uh, except for Russell Westbrook, it's the Jordan Why Not Zero dot one. Uh, Dwayne Wade, Li, Li Ning, it's an Asian shoe brand. This is the Way of Wade. Uh, Chris Ball, it's the Jordan CP3. So for me, thinking, okay, how do I get my name into my shoe? So I guess if it was a Nike product, I'm going to call it the Air Ick. Oh, oh, okay, you win that one. Yes. Dude, that was really good. The Air Ick? Holy, no, don't, don't, like Eric, Nike, you just did Nike fine. Air you Ick? just did great, and then you absolutely ruin it. Why do you do that all the time? You say something actually bright, and then you just add on to it, and it ruins it. <laughs> or, or had an alternative. Call it the Michael Scott now. <laughs> okay, my alternate, which I'm not too sure how much I'd, I'd, I would love wearing this around. Uh, what if I called it the, the Fancy Francy? Okay, for high heels, yes. For <laughs> shoes, no. No, don't you dare. Um, by the way, those shoes came out July 1st, at least the uh, blue and red ones. $100. Right. Is, $100. He's, he's trying to be mindful not to make it too expensive because a lot of these shoes are The really Russell pricey. Westbrook's are like 175 right now, and his shoe is 100 Guess what I'm doing on July 1st? Spending the bank account. Uh, and he's going to release different colors or different versions of the shoe throughout the summer. So watch for that. All right, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, we will reveal our pick six. Six different things we think might happen this weekend here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. I just got a team gesture from another co-worker. Can I sue? No, we got to do our pick six time. I don't need you filing paperwork. <laughs> Who cares? Suck it up, buddy. All right, so it came down to a pitching duel Gosh, on Monday it. night. Julio's so depressing to me. I hope we cut him. I came away with the victory. Finally got my pick six treat today. Oh, stop it. I was just trying. <laughs> a little late, but I'll, I'll take it. So, uh, because of that, I will have you go first, and then I will, I'll back clean up. Okay, tomorrow, France plays U.S. I, Alex Morgan, uh, a half a goal, yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? Yes. You can't have half a goal. It's either over or under. Oh, then sorry. Then I'll say no. Okay, well, okay. So, over under. Half over, a goal. under, half a goal. Fine. Jeez, take it easy on me. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. I, oh, I got to make sure I fill out the paperwork here, right? Okay. Speaking of paperwork, um, New York plays Boston in the London series this weekend. Mookie Betts will have in the two games four and a half hits total over under. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. Okay. Jimmy Butler will have his decision made by Sunday night of which team he's going to, yes or no. Ooh, that's juicy. Um, I'm going to say no. Oh, I was hoping you would say yes. I'm going to say no, too. All right. Um, we crossed over on a couple different things here. 
I'm also going to go to the FIFA World Cup tomorrow. Team USA versus France. Team USA wins by .5. Team USA by .5. Over or under? Over. I'm going to take the under. They're going to lose. Okay. Uh, Yankees in Boston. They're in London. This is kind of cool. On the Sunday game, Yankees by two and a half. Oh, that's a good line. I'm going to say under, and I'm probably going to lose that one. I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I would too. Yankees are playing really good baseball, even though they have some injuries catching up to them. Uh, and then finally for me, Toronto Blue Jays play the Kansas City Royals this oh, weekend. Dude, I haven't. Jack. Okay. The attendance in that game on Sunday <laughs> at 20,000. Do you take the over or the under? Wait, where's the game at? The game is in Toronto. Under. <laughs> I'm also going to take the under. Yeah, dude. If that thing gets over 20,000, that's going to be a miracle. Toronto scene. is 29 and 52. Kansas City is 28 and 53. Yeah, dude. Attendance this season has been averaging about 20,400. Are you serious? I swear to life, if they get over that, do you know what? I'll <laughs> They're give not going to get over it. They're two bad teams playing each other. Doesn't matter. So you're gone tomorrow, right? So I got me and John Russell. Is that right? Yes. All right. Well, hey, we're going to talk Jordan Love tomorrow. We're going to get uh, Jordan Love is going to be has been invited to the Manning Academy thing. Also, a great article in the Athletic by Chantel Jennings. We'll get into all that tomorrow. Yeah, big feature article about his history. This, this, uh, um, with his dad passing. Really interesting uh, insight about his his. Have past. you ever seen the GIF of Elmo in fire? <laughs> no, that's going to do it for us tonight, everybody. <laughs> I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Kevin Durant reportedly opted out of his player option in Golden State, and that means he'll officially be a free agent as he recovers from his Achilles injury. In the summer of stars, Durant is different for a couple of reasons. First of all, there's the injury. Whoever signs him will have to wait to see him play. But when he does return, and if he's truly healthy, KD is in a class by himself. I understand Kawhi Leonard led the Raptors to the title. Yes, he's unbelievable, and I'm curious to see where his career goes next. But Durant is in that rare class of all-time players, the kind of superstar you tell your kids and grandkids about. He's won two titles in Golden State, the kind of player who decides championships. That's why the frenzy around Durant hasn't died down even with the Achilles. Players this great don't change teams that often, but in a week, Kevin Durant could be on the move and alter the course of NBA history again. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.